So we're continuing in our series called Storm Chasers, and uh, the idea is that God is going to uh, consistently allow us to go through storms. We can't get around going through storms. If you think you're going to live a life that is completely in comfort and completely without any need for God, that you're just going to kind of go through, you can forget it. It's not going to happen. We will go through storms. And we'll, some, some of the storms we bring on ourselves. We either get into debt, financial problems. We make a, a, an investment that goes horribly wrong. We start a business we never should have started. We start a relationship we never should have started. And so this, these storms kind of come on, uh, on our own. It's not going to be a long sermon. I mean, oh, okay, okay, good. All right, cool. Wow. Anybody out? No, okay, all right. So, um, no, it's just the high schoolers are going to their group. Um, and, and so, uh, or it might be the enemy. The Bible says we have an enemy, an adversary, the devil, who prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And so oftentimes we'll have a storm that's an attack from Satan. Satan whispering things into our ear. Satan uh, arranging things so that we, we have these storms in our lives. And some storms, God actually brings on to allow us to go through, to refine us, to test us, to discipline us. And sometimes we're in a storm and we have no clue whether we did it, Satan did it, or God did it. But our response is the same. And what I want to talk about this morning is how we deal with fear in the midst of the storm. And we're going to look at uh, a section of Scripture in Matthew where the disciples had to go through uh, this very thing. And uh, when I was growing up, I had the uh, unpleasant experience of having a brother who's seven years older than I am. And it, it wasn't so bad that he was seven years older. It was just that I was an idiot and I'd do anything he said. So smell it, taste it, jump it, ride it, whatever it was, I'd do it. It didn't matter what. It, we, we had this old house and it had hardwood floors uh, um, it was built in the 1800s, and, and the staircase was hardwood floors, and then we had these suitcases, these like, remember, uh, maybe they still have them, but those real heavy plastic Samsonite suitcases, and so uh, one time he, there was, he opened the suitcase up at the top of the stairs, and he told me to get in it, um, which of course I did, uh, and then he said, shoot down the stairs, I think it'll be fun. And at the end of our stairs was a wall, uh, not right at the end of the stairs, because that'd be stupid, uh, but there's, there's kind of like this hallway, and so I did that, and then, um, and then he one time hold, told me to hold ping pong paddle, and then he'd throw darts at me, and I had to pr- pr- protect myself with a ping pong paddle. And like... As a kid, I'm like almost crying, going, stop, stop it, stop, instead of just going and walking away, right? But he was seven years older. I didn't know, you know, I was just stupid, right? So one day, uh, my parents um, went out to dinner and in their infinite wisdom left my brother to babysit me. I think they might have tried to leave the country, but I I think they actually came back. And, And so... We had this huge old house in New Jersey, and, and we lived on this road, um, that this gravel road that went about a half a mile, and there were only five homes on that 
on that road. And we were also, we were like in the woods. All the homes were like in the woods. And so, so it was real dark. And, um, and so uh, we were in the living room. And my brother says to me, did you hear that? Now, this house creaked and groaned, and every room had a radiator, and it wasn't like central air, so that thing would knock and clang, and there was always a sound in that house. And I'm like, what? He's like, did you hear that? It's upstairs. Somebody's walking around. And you know, you, you know have you ever had that, like, that, like it's like fear just kind of like hits you and you get like tingly all over and you're like, not like when you first saw your girlfriend or boyfriend, not, not that tingly, but the tingly where you're just like, oh, where you're almost like frozen. Like, it, could it really be true? He says, there's a man upstairs. And I'm like, oh, let's go call the cop. No, there's, it'll take him too long to get here, right? <laughs> let's go up and get him. So, I mean, I'm just scared. So I go, we go in the back. Uh, the, so we had this house. And then next to the house, like, like this addition, we called the mud shed. It was just like this little room. And when you'd come in from outside, all your snow clothes and everything, the whole thing was just filled with junk. It's called the mud shed. I just remember that. I don't know why. But that's where my wiffle ball bat was. So I pulled out my wiffle ball because it's going to leave a mark. Those things leave a mark. Okay. <laughs> So I've got that yellow, you know, yellow wiffle ball bat. And, and we're, I'm looking up the stairs and he's like, I think he's in Ellen's room. That's my sister whose room was at the top of the stairs. And so when you grow up in a house like that, um, you know where every creek is in the floor. Like you, so you can walk up those stairs s- silently by just memorizing the pattern. Two stairs on the left, skip the third stair to the right. And you can get it, because kids, they like to go rogue sometimes. They don't like to be known. So we're going up these stairs without making a sound. I've got my wiffle ball bat, and he's behind me, whispering in my ear, going, oh, yeah, there's definitely someone up there. Oh, yeah, oh, oh, can you hear him? And so we get, we get to the top of the stairs. Now, my sister's room is at the top of the stairs, right across the hall. My brother's room is right around here. And in my room, they, they put me where, is down the hall, like away from everybody. Uh, and, and so I, I, I'm like, let's go in your room. You know, so we could kind of have, say, no, no, we got to go right into Ellen's room. Now, I don't know where my sister was. She was probably in the living room downstairs going, you guys are idiots. I went, shh, you know. And so we're right there. And I... My heart was beating so loud that I, it felt like my eardrums were being pushed out, like that the sound was coming from inside my body out. And I could, my whole head was throbbing. I just remember this. And I had the, the wiffle ball bat and her door is black. There's no lights on it. It's pitch black and it's open like about this much. My brother probably set this up beforehand. I'm not quite sure. And so there it is. Now, I'll get to the end of the story in a, in a bit. Okay. <laughs> but here's the thing. There's this fear. And America, we're the wealthiest, most productive, safest country in the world. And yet, 
we're like marked by fear. We're, we're, we're like fear is, if you look at the media, the media is designed to frighten you. And so if you turn on whatever channel you watch, that channel is designed for your particular demographic and your particular bent. And their job is to scare the daylights out of you. That's what keeps you watching. And, and, and I'm not even going to name the channel because there's one right next to it for somebody else with a different bent. And their job is to scare you. Their job is to make you think if this happens, oh, and if, oh, and if we let this go on, and if this, and if this, and if this, and talk radio is the same. Their job, the reason they make so much money is because we live in fear. We allow ourselves to live in fear. And so we turn it on and there's something in us that kind of wants to be, just wants to get angry, wants to, and so they start talking. Oh boy. If this happens, oh, and you're in your car, oh, yeah, oh, what if, oh. And the right, you know, wants to t- think, the, the, the left says, oh, you're, they're going to take away all your rights, and the right is going to take away all that's left, and you've got all this stuff, and everybody's, everything's fear, 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 fear. We're going to look at this, the disciples, at a time in their ministry with Jesus when they were scared to death. And we have a video we're going to show that kind of gives maybe a modern day take on, on, uh, on that section of scripture. Let's check it out. Well, the first thing you got to understand is this was a night that was like absolutely no other night that I've ever been through before in my life. My knees started shaking so hard, I almost went down. That's how scared I was. We had absolutely no business being out there. First off, we're out on the water. Uh, uh, it was in the evening time. It was dark. And it seemed like it could have been the middle of the night to me. I, I don't really know when it was, but it was later than anybody should have been on the water. I'm the new guy. I'm the new kid on the block. I, I was only out there because of my older brother. I hadn't been out on the sea that much. Uh, gosh, uh, maybe a, a couple times before that. The whole night is like a vapor to me. I, I... It's almost like a dream. You, you couldn't see your hand in front of your face. All I know in my life is being on the water. That's it, since I was a little boy. And uh, I think when I tell you that this is someplace I've never been before, when I tell you that this was like something I've never been through before, uh, that's important. Hail, rain, wind. It was loud, extremely loud. The sails were gone. We had no means of controlling ourselves. We were really just at the whim of, of, uh, of what the sea was doing, what the wind was doing. And, and uh, uh, we were going back and forth and up and down. It was, it was just bizarre, you know, to see him laying there through, through all of this. It, it's almost like he, he was testing us. We shook him. And he 
opened his eyes and what a look. Jesus stood there and he couldn't panic anymore because there was no panic here. told the wind to stop. And it went from loud to silent in no time at all. And he told the rain to stop. And it went from soaking, trenching through everything, through your skin to stop. And it was very quiet. I actually started giggling. <laughs> I started laughing. You know, I, I do that when I get nervous. I, I start giggling. I start laughing. Oh, man, my brother looked at me like, shut up. <laughs> the next morning, business as usual. But there was nothing the same. Almost embarrassed of my faith after, after seeing what he had done before all this. You, you know he's in control. I mean, he, he's got you. He's in full control. And, and, and to let fear and, and things get out of hand in your mind when you know he's right there. This story is found in uh, Matthew 8. If you want to get there, uh, if you have your Bible. If not, we put it up on the wall behind us. But um, behind me, in front of you. Uh, Matthew eight eighteen says, When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. And then we, we jump to eight twenty three. Then he got into the boat. And his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went down and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And Luke, it says, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And Mark, it says, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And see, that, that's really kind of... What we have is the disciples... In the midst of the storm. I mean, every indication to them says, this ain't working. I mean, to them, they are going to die. And, and, and you might be in a storm right now financially where you're just going, we're going to drown. I am totally fearful that we're going to drown and it's amazing i mean as i talk to different people in ministry and as we kind of are part of the same community and we be uh, we begin to talk to we we begin to talk to each other and all this kind of stuff we we find that there's these fears these things man if, if she leaves if he leaves if those test results come back positive 
I don't know what we're going to do. If I don't get this job, if I don't get this promotion, if the housing market goes down, if the housing market goes up, I don't know, you know, depending on where you are. If we go bankrupt, if the bankruptcy doesn't go through, I don't know. Right? It's just, it's all this stuff in the midst of the storm. When the waves are crashing, when everything is going on, that's when we go, man, if something doesn't change, this is going to go really wrong. And Jesus addresses this with a question that I think God has for every single one of us this morning. Every single one of us. I, God often talks to me in questions uh, rather than statements. As a matter of fact, we're going to go through, starting in, at Easter, we're going to go through a six-week series called Questions, and it's just basically who, what, where, when, why, how. These are questions God asks us, not that we ask God. And it's, gr- it's going to be a great series to bring friends to. Um, it starts off on Easter with why do you look for the living among the dead? Uh, the, the question that uh, God asks us through the angel uh, in the empty tomb. And so, so uh, Jesus asked this question that just kind of gets to the heart of the matter of whatever storm you're going through, whether it's, you know, a neighbor, school, work, um, uh, your family, the different relationships. This gets to it. This is what he says. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? God wants us to answer this question honestly and thoroughly. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. Now what were the disciples supposed to do during the storm? Because I don't think this story is an instruction booklet that during the storm, we stand at the bow of the boat and say, silence. <laughs> I don't think it's, you, you, if you had the faith, you could have calmed that storm. You could have calmed the sea. You could have calmed the wind. Had you had enough faith, that's not, oh, you of little faith, comma, why were you so afraid? Here's the point that we have for this morning that you can look on your bulletin and fill out if you want. Faith and fear are incompatible. Faith and fear are incompatible. We cannot say we have faith in God and live a life of fear. We we can't, in the midst of the storm, say, I'm trusting in God, and it's just fear. Jesus wasn't saying, where's your faith? Why didn't you calm the storm? He's saying, where's your faith? You're so fearful. Why are you fearful? And when we begin to ask ourselves this same question Jesus is asking us, it teaches us, like we've been saying in the the storm chasers, a lot about ourselves and a lot about our God. I'm afraid she's going to leave. Why are you so afraid? Well, because if she leaves, then I'll be all alone. Why are you afraid of being alone? Well, because then I have to, and just keep going and going and going and going. If I don't get this job, we're going to lose our house. Why are you afraid of losing your house? Well, because if I lose my house, then, okay, and then, well, then I'll be on the street. Why are you afraid of being on the street? Well, duh. 
wouldn't you be afraid of being on the street? Jesus said, no, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Not afraid of that at all. Next question, <laughs> right? It's, it's, like, it's like it gets to the, and here's what I find for myself. When I'm my most fearful, the answer to the question is, why are you so afraid? Because I don't trust you. Because I don't believe you're going to work this out the way I want you to work it out. Because I don't think I deserve going through this and you're putting me through it and it just doesn't feel right. That's the answer I get to myself. And and what what has happened there is I've learned about myself. And, and, And basically, Jesus does this. He says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And then he gets up and he rebukes the winds and the waves and it's completely calm. See, we learn about, a lot about our God. He can stop it just like this. Now, why didn't he do that 10 minutes before? Why didn't he calm everything 10 minutes before? Why didn't he calm it? I don't know how long they were out there. Why didn't he calm it an hour before? Why did he have them get in the boat in the first place? Why didn't he have the storm not come at all? See, what Jesus is saying is, I can do it like that anytime. Why are you so afraid? Because I thought I was going to die. Why are you so afraid of dying? Because I had my whole life to live. No, you didn't. You're dead. That was your life. That's what God set out. Why are you so afraid? There's no, I couldn't find any place in the Bible where fear was acceptable, unless the fear was of Almighty God. It's the only time you see the word fear that you're supposed to. It has to do with fear God. Fear what God's going to do. Even Jesus said, why do you fear someone who can harm your body? Fear the person who can harm your body and send your soul to hell. That's who you should fear. That's who you should be going, okay, God, what would you have me do? But if he's right there with you, why are you so afraid about the test results, about the business, about the marriage, about this or that or the kids or whatever? I, you know, Lisa and I have no way to pay for our kids' college education, <laughs> right? And so we can sit there, and I have gone on, oh, okay, all right, so if I do this, I do this, and then if Lisa gets two more jobs and starts pulling her weight around here, maybe I could, you know, no. Okay, right? So, so you, you start going down that road, right? Well, let's follow it. I, oh, they won't be able to get into the college we want them to get. So? Well, but then they won't get the education. So? Does God love my kids? Is God the God of my kids? What, what are you going to do? Why, why be afraid? Am I the provider for my kids? I have the responsibility, but God's ultimately the provider. You know, we do this in our finances. Oh, if this doesn't come through, oh, what? I want to I read a section of scripture. Well, so let, let me show you what happens. So he says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? He gets up and it's completely calm. And then they learn something about their God. And this is the question we should be asking. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? 
what kind of God do I serve that is in total control throughout the whole thing? Even when I seem completely out of control, when it's out of my hands, the, the sails are down, everything's done, what kind of God is it that just knows, that loves me, that has me? What, what, why am I afraid? Why do I fear? See, Jesus is asking the question because there is no right answer. There should never be any fear. Not when we serve a God like our God. Not when we have a God who created the universe with his words. Not when we have a God who, who, who sent his only son to die for us. Went through that pain. Is God good? All the time. I, I want to... So anyway, what happened with the wiffle ball bat? First service, I forgot to finish the story. And so I had a lot of people. And so don't tell them this, but I was all calm. Like, yeah, that's next week. You know, like I planned on it. Well, I didn't. But, you know, you can, as a pastor, you can do that kind of, it's called deceiving. It's not lying. It's a different, it's okay. And it's one of my spiritual gifts. But now I've got to, I got to figure out, because we're starting a new series on, on the 23rd Psalm. I have to figure out how to make that fit with the first verse, but I'll do it. Um, but uh, so they didn't get the thing. So, so we, we, we walk in and I mean, my, my, my heart is just beating out of my chest. And my brother like opens the door and says, he's in there behind the door. And so, <laughs> so I come around and right when I come around, he screams out, there he is. And I close my eyes and I just swing as hard as I can. And I clear everything off of my sister's uh, dresser. All her little trinkets and little ponies and, you know, ceramic clowns, the perfumes and the little, you know, things she's made. But, you know, the little handprint, just clear the whole thing off. And then with my other stroke, because I'm coming down the first blow was supposed to hit him in the temple, knocking him unconscious. And then my second blow was going to come down on his head. I don't know doing what. But when I went like this, because my eyes are closed, I hit the picture behind her, her night, this, this dresser thing, and I smashed it. And I just kept swinging like this. And he's like, get him. And he's just, he's just, and then he's just laughing and laughing and laughing. My, my brother calls me Johnny. Uh, and, and so he's like, Johnny, I got you, all, you know, all this kind of stuff. But I was just like, I was in a daze because there's all the clanging and perfume and you're just like, you know, man, this guy smells terrible, you know, and you've, you've just decimated <laughs> completely like everything valuable to my sister. And it's all, it's all in the, oh, she's fine. And so, uh, and and my heart is just pounding and all, and, and like looking back, it's like you were so stupid. Let's just start from the, in the living room. Uh, do you hear that? Well, I, yeah, our house just makes noise all the time. You know, I think it's a man. 
you know, there's a man upstairs. Now, how do you know it's a man? Number one. And how did he get upstairs? You, know, you start going through this thing of like, what are you talking about? And how did he make it up the stairs? Because a stair number seven, if you don't skip both of them, it's, it's like, sounds like there's a marching band in there. Like, how did he get up there without making a sound? And you start going, what am I doing with a wiffle ball bat? This, none of this makes any sense. Looking back, right? Because looking back, there was no reason to be afraid. See, and here's the thing. Oftentimes, when we're in the midst of whatever it is we're in, we just go, and it's just like, we just start swinging wildly. We start saying things to our spouse. Well, if you had only done this, and we wouldn't have, we're just trying to solve it. We make financial decisions to try and get out. We, we spend wildly. We, 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 just, we, we just act totally irrationally. Because the enemy's behind us going, swing, he's right there, go, get him. Yeah, you got him, yeah. And you're just decimating your life, swinging with your eyes closed. And God's there going, why are you so afraid? I, I have you. I got you. Okay. So you're going bankrupt. Okay, so you don't have a retirement. All right. We'll go through it together. I saw that coming. You know, we, we go, we, you know, maybe you're in school and you're like studying, 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 and you give it all you got, everything you got. You, you were totally responsible and you just get C's. That's just what you get. Okay. But, but if I don't, if I don't, then I won't. If I don't make the, if I don't make the soccer team or the football team, then, then, then what? Then God doesn't have you? I want to read this section of scripture. It's so awesome. It's found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 13. Now listen to this. Don't miss this. It's so amazing when you read it. We know that we live in him and he in us. I mean, are you kidding me? The God of the universe? We live in him and he in us? I mean, right there, you can stop right there and go, yeah, I shouldn't be fearful about anything. But he goes on. John goes on. John was in the boat. Okay, John who writes this, he was in the boat. Because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent this, his Son to be the Savior of the world. John had that relationship with Jesus while he was on earth, and he has that relationship after he died and was, and was risen again. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. Whew. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is is love, period. You know, your heavenly father loves you. He loves you. Yeah, but I'm going through, he loves you. But if you only knew, he loves you. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter the storm. It doesn't matter what your husband did. It doesn't matter what your wife did. It doesn't matter about your finances. It doesn't matter what you did when you were 15 that you can't forget. He loves you. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Man, again, it's the third time John writes that. In other words, this is the relationship we have. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Listen, if you have confidence on the day of judgment, why would you not have confidence now? If you have confidence in death, 
why in heaven's name would you not have confidence in life? To speak boldly the name of Jesus, to, to live life and rejoice in suffering. Why not? You know the worst that's going to happen is you're going to die. You got confidence for that. Well, what else can you do? Je- oh, I already told you about that verse. Anyway, uh, now watch this. Because in this world, we are like him, asleep in the boat, right? During the storm. Now watch. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. It's a beautiful Greek word. That word drives out. Um, I had the awesome experience of after I left the House of Horrors in New Jersey, uh, we moved to California to this tiny little house that was 700 square feet. Went from a huge, huge, huge house to this tiny little 700 square feet house in Pasadena in this unbelievably ethnically diverse uh, neighborhood. And so me being white, uh, white people discipline their kids differently than a lot of different cultures. Oftentimes you'll find white people like reasoning with their little kid. Like, you know, now how are you feeling when you burned the house down? You know, and it's like this whole like psychotherapy thing. And, you know, wow, well, you know, maybe he's, you know, and the teacher's like, your kid's a devil oh, you don't understand him, you know, and it'd be kind of this whole kind of weird thing. Not so in other cultures. Uh, So like my Filipino friends who lived across the street, their parents would reach into a bag of rice and throw it on the ground, and then they would kneel on that rice and hold all their textbooks until uh, until they came back (laughs) and said, that's enough. And then they had to sweep up their own rice and pull it out of their knees, I would imagine. But two doors down, one, right next to us was this Hispanic family, and they disciplined their kids different. And then the next to there was this family from Jordan. And oftentimes I'd go over to my friend's house. His name was Abraham. And so he would be running out of his house like this, and his mother would be hitting him with a broom or with a shoe or with whatever she found. And, just, and she'd be... I know three Arabic cuss words because of my friend Abraham. And if you know them, I won't even say them now, but I just want you so bad. Uh, And so (laughs) she'd be yelling in Arabic, and he'd be going like this. That is the Greek word for drives out. It's to slap repeatedly, to throw without care of where it lands. That's, That's it. Perfect love just... Get out of here. It casts out fear, drives it out, tosses it out, throws it out. And it's a perfect God that does that. Now, if we have a perfect God who is love, period, why, again, I ask, why are we fearful about anything? See, as we begin to rest in him, as we begin to relate to him, as we begin to understand, ah, the God of the universe, who, this is why I love a lot of the songs we sing that reference creation and reference the stars and reference uh, just kind of how all creation stands and worships. As we kind of step into experiencing God in that way of just going, wow, God of the universe loves me. My heavenly father loves me. 
there must be something about this storm that he's allowing. Or there must be a way he's disciplining me or some way that he's loving me. And, and, and so it, when we step into that, I, I, we're going to read a, a psalm. And um, I'm not going to put it up on the wall. I, we're just going to turn off the lights and we're going to close our eyes. And I just want to read to you this psalm. And, and, and don't, don't read along, just concentrate. Do it exactly like they would have done in ancient Israel. Someone would be speaking this psalm and you would be listening. And just listen with your ears wide open. Just let the Holy Spirit, through God's word, just minister to you through this song, psalm. And if you're going through a time of fear right now, begin to see how this psalm would apply to that the God that we follow. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Hear my voice when I call, O Lord. Be merciful to me and answer me. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me, O God, my Savior. Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. Teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my oppressors. Do not turn me over to their desire of my foes. For false witnesses rise up against me, breathing out violence. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let's go ahead and open our eyes and turn the lights back on. I want you to see this next verse, the one that this psalm ends with. But you kind of get the idea that David's writing, man, you know what? How do we get over this fear? Because it's easy for me to say, why are you afraid? You shouldn't be afraid. We have a God. How do you, you know, don't be afraid. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. That helps me so much to just command me not to be afraid. But see, David's in on something. He's like, when I go before God, if I can gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, 
if I can dwell in his tabernacle, if I can understand him, if I can get an idea of who he is and how much he loves me and how powerful he is and how smart he is and, and, and how, uh, how in control he is, if I can get that, then maybe that love, maybe that love will just start beating my fear down. Maybe it's not up to me to get rid of my fear. Maybe it's up to me to understand how much God loves me. And that perfect love will drive out, will cast out that fear. Watch what David says here up up on the thing. He says, um, I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. In other words, I'm going to see it now. I'm going to see it at this time. I'm going to see God's goodness throughout all this. And you notice when you read this, David isn't saying God's going to stop the war against him. He's going to stop him from being oppressed. He's going to stop evil men from... He says, when it happens, God will be right there with me. And at the very end, verse 14, it says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I don't know how long that's going to take for it to feel like God has just finally woken up to stop the storm. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what the fear is. But you know what it is. And more importantly, God knows what it is. And He loves you. He loves you. And so he knows about it all. And for some reason, he's choosing to let it go down like this. And so we can sit back and go, God, I am not going to be afraid. I know you love me. I know you, you, you have a plan for me. I know you're allowing this to happen for some reason. 